as a leader, you're always on. And I do think there's, you want to be vulnerable and share your feelings, but you also have to demonstrate positivity. Hey everyone, it is Angie Morgan Wachowski. I'm the New York Times bestselling author of Spark, Bet on You and Leading from the Front. I'm a Marine Corps veteran, but most importantly, and why we're all here is that I am the Bet on You podcast host. Each week, I get the amazing privilege of bringing to you stories that I hope inspire you so much on your risk-taking journey. This season, we're talking about getting the clarity, courage, and confidence you need to bet on yourself, and today's guest is really special. I met Stephanie, and I hate to say this out loud, almost two decades ago. It was when my first book, Leading from the Front, first was published, and Stephanie Cox was a leader at probably a mid-level manager at SLB, formerly the company known as Schlumberger. She read Leading from the Front, and she's like, you know what? We need to bring Angie and my co-author Courtney in to start doing training and development programs here at SLB for our diversity initiative around the Women's Employee Research Group. So I got the chance to meet Stephanie, and I think that was a significant introduction because it said a lot about her leadership style. If she likes something, something resonates with her, she doesn't keep it to herself, she shares it. And she has empowered so many leaders on her leadership development journey. I know this because more recently, now, I'm still talking with leaders in coaching capacity at SLB. And I ask them frequently, who are the leaders you admire? And Stephanie Cox, though she no longer is in the company, she is a name that is almost always brought up. So she is a leader who's led significant roles in SLB. And more recently, she transitioned to a CEO role with Wood Group. And more recently, she made her own transformation out of oil, gas, new energy, and into this new space that she's exploring. She is a great person to talk with about how to navigate these transitions, how to spark your transformation. And she's got some great do's and don'ts on how to conduct yourself as a professional as you carefully navigate through your career. Hey there, Stephanie. We are so excited to have you on the Bet On You podcast. Welcome to the program. Thank you. I'm super happy to be here, Angie. And I was excited because you've had such a fascinating career history, but I have to share, we share something in common is that we both grew up in Michigan. Do you mind before we get to all your high profile, cool, important, impressive resume stuff that you just talk a little bit about where you were raised and what that was like growing up in Michigan? Yeah, happy to. So I grew up in Michigan my whole life until I graduated from college. So I grew up in Rochester and Saginaw, my, both my parents and my brother, who's younger. And Michigan was a really special place for both of us. Um, and uh, just, you know, always knowing where you live and what cities, that's the, the cool handshake wherever you go, if you meet a fellow Michigander. And you went to Michigan State. I know that's kind of our rival university, but it is a fantastic Big Ten yeah. school. So go green. Uh, what did you major in in college? Like, how does one find themselves as a CEO of a large business? I'd love to hear about your educational background that prepared you for life. Well, in your when career. I 
Sure. When I went to Michigan State, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, and it wasn't probably until my sophomore year that I learned about supply chain management and operations management from someone who was in one of my classes. And it just made a lot of sense. I love understanding how things work. And through a whole you know, little conversation of building something to shipping it, to getting it to a consumer, I was hooked. So I changed my major. Um, it was materials logistics management at the time. Now what you know is supply chain. And I loved it. I loved every class and it just really enabled me to have a lot of opportunities. And my first job was actually in supply chain being a buyer. So Michigan State was really important. Um, I guess the foundation to many other things. And so with that in mind, did you, your first employer, was that Schlumberger, now known as SLB, or was yes. that a different company that you started off with? No, my first job was at Schlumberger in Houston, Texas. And that was my first big move that I made with my, my little single bed and a couple boxes and a big, huge moving truck coming up to my family home. And that was the start. That is so funny you say that because when I had my big first move in the Marine Corps, my mom and dad packed my boxes because I was already gone and they put all the stuff in those boxes that they didn't want. And I'm opening up <laughs> boxes. So I know exactly what you're talking about. You moved to Texas and suddenly you're like, oh, I forgot about this. I forgot about this. Can you talk a little bit about SLV? I know that this is in our podcast. We love to talk about helping people develop the clarity, confidence, and courage to pursue their dreams. And I think what is super cool about one of the largest companies that nobody's ever heard of before is how that they have so many interesting career paths you can follow because you started off in supply chain and worked your way up to a president's role before making a transition into another role as CEO, which we'll get to in a second. But can you talk a little bit about that culture? Because it's such an interesting yeah. organization. Yeah, it's fascinating. And I mean, I, I owe a lot to, to Schlumberger, now SLB, uh, but I gave a lot too. So it goes two ways. And, um, you know, when I was starting out, I was very focused on manufacturing, engineering, the whole supply chain um, gambit. And I didn't realize all the other opportunities uh, until I was presented the first one. So I was, you know, in my groove, uh, working my way up. I was running a manufacturing job. And then I was thrown a curveball to, to go to HR. And that was the first step of understanding that, you know, this company offers a lot of different types of, of moves and jobs that really get you out of your comfort zone. Um, and it was really a gift. It was something I was really scared about doing and had a little bit of an attitude because I thought, you know, I'm in my lane, this is what I want to do. But having the opportunities to go to HR, and later IT, um, and then uh, having an opportunity to lead uh, manufacturing, um, lead a business, just got bigger and bigger. And in the beginning, I, I wasn't really deliberate about my career. But then I became more ambitious and interested and, you know, trying to take more risks and do different things. And, you know, Slumber's a real high performing company. So, you know, at SLB, if you performed really well, 
you had a lot of opportunities um, to consider. You talk about something really important there is recognizing that fear. Again, you were formally trained in supply chain. You got a job in supply chain and then people operations. And it's like, what? (laughs) I did not get an HR background. How do you approach that? How do you approach something really foreign to you, a different discipline, if you will? What was your mindset at that time? Or maybe after you got over the initial shock, like what? And then how do you go into those roles? I think um, there's a couple of things. One, you know, when you respect the person that you're going to work for and with, I, I really admired the leader and I didn't have the guts to say no in that you know situation. And so I thought, you know, gosh, you know, I got to learn something. I'm going to learn something different. And it really stretched me in a different way. So you, you find different skill sets that you use to, you know, get more competence that gives you more confidence and you learn about how the company works in another way, which helps for later jobs. Um, when I had the first line management presented to me, um, I'm embarrassed to say I, I turned it down because I was too scared. And I thought, you know, this is incredible. I'm not ready for this. And the person who presented the, the job, I know, thought I was crazy, but I actually took time to think about it and came back and said, you know, maybe the job reporting to that job and then I'll be ready. But those were early days. And, you know, over time I learned, okay, I can take this job. I can learn it. I can use different skills and not be afraid. And that gave even more confidence to do different things later. I'd love to hear from you because there's many books that talk about like the first 90 days, but especially when you're going into a new role or a new discipline, what does your first 90 days look like? What would be a Stephanie Cox roadmap if you're jumping into a role, maybe leading a new team, maybe leading a new team in a different discipline? What's your sort of game plan in those yeah. opportunities? Well, I definitely had one. And when when I went into roles that I didn't have a lot of background and I really needed to rely on the team because I wasn't the expert and I had to draw upon the skill sets of different team members. And many times I didn't know them really well. So first 90 days, and really it's the first week, you know, I meet with every person on the team uh, individually. I send them five questions before so they can know what I'm going to ask. And essentially it's, you know, Uh, What are your goals in this job? What are the priorities? What do I need to know? What are you hoping I'm going to bring? And what are you hoping I don't bring to the job? And it offers an opportunity to learn about how they like to work as well as I like to work. And then you understand very clearly, are the priorities amongst the team um, aligned or are they in different places? So the team is first then understanding, okay, the goals that are set out. Are they ambitious enough? Are they in motion? Who's the customer? So during this 90 days, it's really stakeholder management, understanding what's expected of you, and really doing a lot of communication so that people, you know, kind of know who you are, what you're about, and establish kind of you want to establish trust as early as possible. So I often hear from leaders 
who are conflicted about that, establishing trust by sharing details about themselves. And we often hear too about vulnerability. You know, you got to be vulnerable, but there's a line there, I think, for leaders to manage. I'd love to hear from you. How do you manage that about what I share, what I don't share? How do I really respect that line between I want to be open, I want to share with you who Stephanie is, but there are some boundaries in there as well. How do you manage that, Stephanie? I think I've grown up on that topic over the years because I would say majority, you know, when you're, I was always one of the youngest, you know, when I graduated and joined the company, um, youngest in a group, youngest leader, and I was really mindful of that. So I was pretty much always in professional mode. You know, I Mm -hmm. didn't want to talk about my personal life. Um, Not that I wasn't proud of it. I was really proud of it. But I thought, you know, business is business. I know people are looking, you know, watching. And I really wanted to perform in the job and be really evaluated for my job, not my personal life. Um, And then there's some people that you work with and then they just share too much. And it's like TMI, you know, I don't want to be like that. But what I've found over the years is people want to get to know you. They want to know what you are all about. And I've worked with people who maybe have been too guarded and I could see the impact that had with employees. They want to know what you're thinking, what your beliefs are. What do you like when you're not in this stressful job? So over time, I've had to learn that and realize that it's okay And I think there's a time and a place, you know, for it. But on the contrary, I love getting to know people and spending a lot of time with people at all levels of the company. So I had to learn to give more of my own kind of window to who Stephanie was and is over time. But in the beginning, I was just, you know, be professional, focus on this and nothing else. You grew up in a male-dominated organization. In fact, I think we met each other about 15 years ago. I wasn't that fresh from the Marine Corps, but it was, you know, been a few years in the Marine Corps. And I think that SLB in the Marine Corps, there's so many different parallels. That's kind of the environment that you developed your career in. What guidance would you have for women who work in male-majority environments? Yeah. Well, I think first you have to be yourself. You know, just be true to who you are. You know, you're there because you have a skill set and you have a reason to contribute. To the you know previous question, you do need to get to know people to an extent. And, you know, I think in anything in life and in work, you have to like each other to get things done. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some people could say, well, you don't have to like each other to get things done, but it's more enjoyable when you do. <laughs> and, you know, you can... Um, you know, a lot of things in your jobs, you're influencing, you're trying to get people to see your side of your view, you're trying to influence change. So establishing relationships, but being yourself and who you are and your values, I think is a must. Um, I think there's, it's getting, I'll say better, if that's a term. Um, people are, you're, you know, until there's really a balance, you know, there's always going to be a minority that's going to stand out more mm-hmm. because there's fewer. 
And when you are one of those, a one and only, or one of a few, you, it just invariably people are watching. So how you conduct yourself, how you perform, I think it does matter even more. Um, and in cases you want to make sure that you're, you're putting in the right amount of work. So I've, I've never felt it was, um, a hindrance per se. I mean, it, I guess it's always been uh, a more male dominated when I started, but I'm really happy, you know, in the energy industry, I've seen a big shift. There is a huge talent of, of women and many um, minorities, you know, in the field, but it's still, you just have to recognize, you know, you might be the one and only here and there and it's okay. Yeah, and I think that's the key piece, the true to yourself, is that the difference that you bring to the table is actually something to be embraced versus something to be shy about or, or tamper down because why? There's enough of everybody else, but there's only one of you. I would love to hear you talk about the idea. So again, you're leading your career at SLB. And one of the beautiful things is you have people coming to you based on your performance, giving you next level opportunities. And you're like, yeah, this is great. Okay, IT, sure, why not? I did really well in HR. Why not IT? <laughs> finance, bring me finance. But what happens to many professionals is that they suddenly realize, wait a second, what if I move from the passenger seat to the driver's seat and start thinking more intentionally about what direction I want to drive my career? It's kind of like a shift happens. Do you remember when that happened for you? When you're like, wait a second, I want to start shaping these opportunities versus saying, sure, why not? Can you talk about that? Yeah, I think it was more of like the second half of my career, you know, I was getting, you know, more experience, um, having more skills, you know, in my holster, I could see clearer, different paths of what I was interested in, still, you know, ambitious and a little bit scary. But I thought, well, this is something that I could do. Um, I was interested in it, I was interested in in trying. So part of it, is first having clarity with yourself. And it's not just the current job, but what do you see ahead? You know, what does that lead to? And I think it's being more strategic, you know, mm -hmm. with your own plans. Um, what could this job lead to? And what do you need to do in that time frame? So it was having conversations and looking ahead, will this help me achieve my ambitious ambition where I'm at? Or what other skill sets do I need to have? And having uh, line management, running a business was something I was always interested in because now I could draw upon the manufacturing engineering experience, the HR experience, my IT experience. And I just really love to lead teams. And that was where I got a lot of satisfaction from. I imagine that that team leadership piece also really found a drive within yourself to go for senior leadership, you know, positions such as president and then ultimately transitioning over into a CEO role. Can you talk about when you had that realization that you wanted to take that senior leadership position, um, president or so on, and then the transformation over into a CEO position? Yeah, yeah. So I was with uh, SLB for 28 years, um, never thought I would leave a typical story. And, and I was very happy. I liked what I did. 
Um, I love the teams that I was with, but I was also looking at, am I challenged enough? Is, you know, is this something that's more of the same or I, I really wanted to be part of something at the time that was more longer term from a horizon standpoint. And I was paying a lot of attention to what was going on in the industry. And I wanted to be part of something new in the energy transition space. So I, I read a lot. I spent time talking with different people and really thought, okay, um, I need to be stretched more. You know, I really had to, to ask, you know, why? And I think when you are making a transition or a change, it needs to come from a place of um, clarity. You know, what is your why? So what was my why? I wanted to grow. I wanted to be challenged. I wanted to be involved in something that was more longer term. And it wasn't discouragement or emotional. I think when you make a transition, it shouldn't be from a place of um, frustration or emotion. Yeah. Um, so going to a new company is a big change. And at the time, it was a CEO of the Americas. And there was a lot that I didn't know, but a lot I knew I had the skills that I could bring to the table to contribute and make a longer term change. So I thought making that transition or that change, it was, you know, for me, it was worth the risk than missing an opportunity for, a, you know, an interesting longer term plan. And I imagine when you accepted the CEO role, you had no premonition that you would be leading a business during an industry downturn and a pandemic. There's no way. No, um, I I didn't take a lot of time in between jobs, and I would not recommend that to, mm -hmm. to anyone making a transition. If you can have time, like ample time, a uh, couple months, that would be nice. But this, you know, sense of loyalty, you just kind of jump in and I was excited, but I was only in the role for um, four and a half months and then COVID happened and then the industry collapsed. And just like everyone who listens to this, no matter where you were, it was really tough to manage. But, you know, I, I really like being with people and um, uh, working on really tough things together. And when you're doing it on Zoom or Teams globally, it was tough. And so that was about two years managing virtually. So not fun, but we did a lot of really important things, but tough time. What are your resiliency practices? How do you have a really difficult day? Wake up the next day poised for another difficult day. What do you do in between to rejuvenate yourself? Because often I think we don't talk enough about how even leaders at the top experience stress, but what do you do to manage the stress and pressure? Well, there's a few things. I mean, one, I think, you know, as a leader, you're always on. And I do think there's, you want to be vulnerable and share your feelings, but you also have to demonstrate positivity. You know, there's a choice why you're in the job. There's a choice why you're in the company mm -hmm. and people are really looking to you. So to kind of keep yourself going, um, your health is for me, the number one component. And, um, you know, it's been stretched a lot working all those crazy hours, 
but somehow I would, I don't know how I did it, but somehow I would still get up really early and I love the Peloton and I would get on that bike and I would do a ride and feel great and hurry, take a shower, ready to hit, hit go. But it gave me energy to keep going. And then, um, you know, my husband, Jason, super support and just being able to talk. And when you're having dinner, be able to talk about your day, you know, with, with your family and friends and kids, that helps. Uh, but I'm a big goal setter too. So you've got to have goals each week. So you feel accomplished. Um, and that gives me energy too. I think that's a great segue into talking about your transition then away from the CEO position into this stage of your life, because that's where I feel now that you have the capacity for friendships. And I laugh because it's true when you're, you know, running a large business, you, you don't have a lot of space in your life for the things that you necessarily want to do if you had more time to do. But we've been connecting a lot these past, I guess, year plus. Uh, and I've noticed that about you. You are very, very much a goal junkie. You even have goals <laughs> in white space, like a vacation, you have goals. <laughs> yeah. Can you first talk about when you realized it was time for you to make not a career transition from a job to a different company or role to a different role, but away from a CEO role and into this next stage of life? How do you know? Yeah. So, so in my last company at Wood, I had two jobs. I was CEO of the Americas, and then I transitioned to a global role of global operations in the second year. And I was invited to participate in a CEO succession process, which was a really good process and really you know, had to put some clarity about what I wanted to do. And I wanted to be a CEO. But when I didn't get selected, then I said, okay, let's think about this. Let's take a pause and decide what's next. And so it was the first time that I took a six month period to really think about what companies, how I wanted to spend my energy and my time. And, you know, these leadership roles, no matter what industry or company, they demand a lot and you have to be all in. So I was looking at how do I want to spend the next years um, with my energy, with my family, with my friends. And I had always wanted to serve on a board, but I kept putting it off. And I had um, you know, accumulated and earned a lot of really good experience that would contribute, I think, really well to a board. Um, so I, I really, I talked with so many companies, so many interesting companies and I just wasn't feeling it though. And I thought maybe this is a whisper that you should change and do something different. And you know, maybe if I gave more time, it would be different. But for me, I wanted that six months and I made the decision at the end of it to serve on boards because I wanted to have a different type of balance. And um, I wanted to be really intentional about how I was going to go about this next chapter in my life. So I, I was really good about planning and being selective. And now I'm serving on two public boards and some private uh, boards. And it feels really good because I can contribute with all the experience 
but I also can um, invest in the relationships with family and friends, which I think is really important that I hadn't been doing probably enough of, mm -hmm. and then focus on, on health, you know, continue. Because I think if you don't have your health, you're not going to have um, the ability to probably do a lot of things that you want to do um, in the years to come. So that, that was, you know, for me really important. And um, I want to carve space to do other things, um, supporting people with career development and financial independence, something I'm interested in. I think that is fantastic. As you go through the process, too, of exploring this further, I have no doubt that we can all learn from you in this in this new space that you're interested in. I want to ask you, Stephanie, because you've certainly picked up so much career insight along your impressive journey. Do you have some do's and don'ts <laughs> that you can share with our audience? Just words to the wise that you know, there's a practical tips because I'm confident that you've filed them in your there's, brain and, <laughs> and we can yeah, benefit from all from learning from your experience. There's tons, there's tons, and it depends on the situation. Um, I think uh, set first, you know, set your standards high for yourself, you know, mm -hmm. from your values, your integrity. Um, I think no matter where you're working or who you're working with, you know, be the bigger person. Um, don't talk bad about your boss, your company, your peers, don't mm -hmm. disparage that. It's just, it's wasted energy. And I think that can happen in companies. Um, misery loves company. So I always just try to stay away from that and kind of rise above it. Um, I think just, you know, how you conduct yourself, you know, how you communicate. Um, it says a lot about you. Um, you know, the, the people are always watching what you say, what you do, and how do you, how do you, as a leader, how do you make people feel? Are you a good listener? You know, are you making, you know, an environment where people see, you know, can feel seen and feel heard? I think that's important. Um, but I guess in, in conducting yourself, how do you show up? You know, back to the health topic, are you showing up vibrant and healthy and put together? Or you kind of, you know, coming in schlumpy and it, it just exudes, you know, I would just ask, what energy do you want to exude to others for yourself and, and the teams you're leading? I think and that's um, great too. don't take things personally. That would probably be the, the other one. Well, that's that's definitely one of the hardest ones to do too. It is. It is. <laughs> you know, too, I love that though. It's such a great vibe. Like this is these are all choices that you have every single day. Like you have a choice to how you show up. You have a choice to how you're present. You are how good of a listener. And so, really putting that empowerment on your own. The final question I have, Stephanie, yeah. is if you could give our audience some guidance as they make either career transitions or career transformations, because you've certainly done both masterfully. What guidance would you have? Hmm. Uh, think it through, you know, first and foremost, don't, don't do it from a place of frustration or emotion. Um, be ambitious, you know, don't underestimate what you can do and what you're capable of. And, you know, have a plan and talk about it with people. I think, you know, your, your friends and your family, um, 
I think having the support is really important and be open to feedback on it. You know, take all that in. Great guidance. Where can people stay engaged about you and your work? I know you're pretty active on LinkedIn. Can they follow you there? That'd be perfect. Yeah. Oh, wonderful. Stephanie, thank you so much for contributing to the podcast. It's always wonderful to hear from you and learn from you. I always learn something. friends. I am so happy that we had the chance to talk to Stephanie. Not only is she a significant leader, I admire. She is a dear friend and I always learn something whenever we can connect. The three takeaways I had from our session was first, you know, it is okay to feel fear when you're trying something for the first time. I would even argue that if you're not feeling fear, maybe you got to push yourself a little bit harder, but fear is going to be a companion with you during career transitions and on your transformation journey. So if you're going to be there, let's recognize that feeling and maybe use it as a powerful force to catalyst a change that we have in our lives. So the second thing is I loved how Stephanie talked about transitions in her career that, you know, Going into new opportunities, having a plan, having a process, so you know how to build relationships because trust really is the currency in relationships. And as you go about your career, being okay with being vulnerable, that's the only way we're going to have those really solid foundation trust-built relationships. The final takeaway that I have, and I thought this was just really, really awesome, is that you shouldn't make change if you're doing it out of frustration. You should make change because you have the clarity that you need to really understand where you are versus, um, you know, where you are to where you wanna be versus making a decision that is about anger and is getting out of something. So if you're gonna make a change, make sure that you're getting into something versus getting out of something. I am so glad that we've been able to have these conversations please feel free to stay connected with me at www.angieconnect.com. And I cannot wait for our next episode here on the Bet On You podcast. Thanks so much.